Welcome to this, the 58th edition of the Guna Podcast, recording on the Monday evening after Arsenal's 1-0 home win over West Ham United, which saw the Gunners remain in second place behind Chelsea in the Premier League table. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by the website for all your unofficial Arsenal t-shirts, gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Udo, and due to the lack of our regular faces on our podcast panel, there's a bit of what is described here as a Carling Cup lineup feel to this one, although a couple of our guests have appeared before. Kevin's words, not mine, gents. First up, it's the founder and original editor of The Gooner, the man who kindly funds the food and drink consumed by us at these podcast evenings by way of reward for our opinions, and I hope that he's felt he's had his money's worth this evening. It's Mr. Mike Francis. Good evening. Second, an original Essex man. He's forgotten the white socks this evening and is no longer able to mix with the dogs at the now defunct Charlie Chans at Walthamstow Dog Track. A key man in the formation of Red Action, he's moved on to more respectable things by replacing the Arsenal Supporters Trust Board. It's Mr. Mark Brindle. Good evening. And finally, a podcast debutant. Well, here at least. He's guested on the Arse Blog Arsecast, and after his last article in the most recent issue of the Guna, can only be categorised as an AKB. So we're looking forward to some stout defence of the manager this evening. He writes regularly for the Vital Football website under the moniker of Little Dutch, but he's better known to buyers of the Guna as Mr Tim Stillman. Good evening. So, gents, beating Manchester City 3-0, I reserves brushing off Newcastle 4-0 in the Cup, knocking all comers from, sides, uh, from all sides, left, right and centre in the European Cup, and nicking a 1-0 home win against West Ham in the last minute. We're going to win the league, surely. Tim? Um, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um... If 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 Chelsea can get docks and points, then yes. <laughs> uh, but no, we've uh, I think we've made a fair bit of progress this year. But you know we were saying that this time last year, weren't we? And it kind of all came a bit undone around March time. So I'd say let's do our talking then. Mark, your thoughts? Can we win the league? I think we can. A lot depends on the core of the team, the spine of the team, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think we're still missing Vermaelen. Uh When he comes back, obviously Achilles injuries are going to be very long term. Especially with our medical team. Yeah. Um, that would be an advantage, but the squad does seem to be getting healthier. Um, the goalkeeper situation seems to be coming to a bit of a conclusion. Uh, I've never been a great Almunia fan. I've always rated Fabianski higher than Almunia on shot stopping. Um, he just needed a bit of a run in the team and maybe Chesney will be the man for the future um, so we've got that you know, you've know, got people like Walcott Benton has come back and looked very good um, so let's give it a go I think you know, Arsenal's very positive full squad, let's take it forward let's attack these teams and, and take them on Crikey, wiping out half of my suggested topics <laughs> for this podcast in one fell swing. No, no, it's fine, it's fine, Mark. Absolutely fine, absolutely fine, that's great. It, it just means I, I don't know where to start. Let, 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 let's start with the number one shirt, shall we? Mike Francis, ha, well, two questions. Has Manuel Almunia played his last game for the Arsenal? And how long does a gammy elbow take to clear up? I think the gammy elbow is, um, is, is one of those convenient injuries that we seem to uh, specialise in. I'm sure we're not the only team that do it, but obviously it's more noticeable for us. Um, has Almunia played his last game? I wouldn't bet on it completely, but um, I th- he's certainly beginning to look that way. Fabianski's done, come in and done well, but he still makes me nervous. Um, he's made some good saves, and, but I, I don't know. His decision-making is still somewhat suspect on occasion um, when he's coming out for the ball. Um, Chesney last week, I'd have to say I thought he... Uh, 
He looked the business. He just looks a proper keeper. It's a fair point, actually. Now we've actually seen him play a game. Uh, everybody out there who's been saying he has to play, he has to play. He was the best goalkeeper at Brentford. Everyone was telling me over the summer, the best goalkeeper at Brentford. Now we've actually seen him play a game. What do you think, Tim? Um, yeah, I've been very impressed. I've seen him play a couple of reserve games. Saw him play for Brentford once last season. Um, seems to have a bit of authority in the box. He's obviously, uh, from his comments in the press, he's got a lot to say for himself, which... I don't think it's any bad thing for a goalkeeper. Um, you know, our, our favourite mad German Jens was made, I think, a lot you know, similar stock. He, he believed that he was the best keeper in the world, and he wasn't. But believing he was the best keeper in the world, I think, gave him a bit of an edge. And maybe, maybe Chesney's got the same going for him. It's a mental thing. Yeah. Absolutely. In more ways than one. Um, <laughs> well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... As, as the, the emergence of, of the new look, Wukash Fabianski, and um, y- you know the, his, his fellow pole chomping at his tail, Mark, do you think that's eradicated? Not, ne- not necessarily the need for the manager to try and buy a new goalkeeper in January, as there's rumours of Mark Schwartz's continuing discontent down the road at Craven Cottage. Do you, uh, do you think he will look to buy a goalkeeper in January? Well, uh, Schwartz is not the answer, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, the guy, how old is he? 37, 38. What difference is he going to make? At the end of the day, I think let's be positive. Manager's always going on about being positive. If he doesn't rate Almunia, Fabianski doesn't come up to the standard we expect, then let's go with Chesney. Go with him. Um, I can't see that Schwartz is going to make any difference whatsoever. If we were talking about Buffon or someone like that, um, what, I suppose what in American football they call a franchise player, uh, then fair enough. But I can't see that it will make any difference whatsoever. You know. Buffon was in his first team at 19. If Chesney's good enough, get him in now. But uh, do you think a club like Arsenal can develop a young goalkeeper? Because we've shown, for example, Fabianski played in some quite inconsequential games last season, um, made some mistakes, and as a fan base, we, we weren't really willing to put up with them. Um, I know he's 25, but in goalkeeping terms, that's still young and learning. Can we, um, can we actually throw a young goalkeeper in there? I'm not so sure we can. Um, I think a club of our size with the scrutiny over the goalkeeper position. Um, we've seen it with Meninga and Richard Wright as well, who couldn't, who looked good keepers, but just couldn't, couldn't cope with that kind of scrutiny. I think Chesney's already got that attitude, and he, did. you know, he feels that he is the best goalkeeper. I always mm. think that Meninga always felt that he was number two to Seaman, and he suffered because of it. Mm. Richard Wright just didn't cut the grade, and you've seen it from Richard Wright subsequently. You know, he's just not done it as much as he was promising. Um, it's just not happened and it is as Mike said it's a mental game as much as anything and uh, we need someone strong if Chesney's got that he's got the uh, cojones to do it then put him in there all I remember is around about 1996-97 I think it was Bodo Ilgner the um, veteran German goalkeeper got a, I think it was a, a groin strain or a hamstring injury whilst playing goal for Real Madrid. Some 18-year-old called Iker Casillas or something came in to replace him just for a couple of games. 13 years later and this 5'11-year-old is still the finest goalkeeper without a mullet or moustache that I've ever seen. Um, look, maybe if he's good enough he is he's old enough. But at the moment, Wukash Fabianski is the man in possession and as, as the Gooners' resident goalkeeper, <coughs> looking at other goalkeepers... Um, for me, he's not done anything wrong since he's come into the side. And with regards to decision-making, it can't be any worse than Almunia, who makes half, made half a decision an art form. So um, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, you know, Fabianski's coming in. A lot of people have said he just needed a run, he needed some confidence, and he's got that. And I think, I, you know, 
if you make some mistake now, you're going to be a little bit more forgiving than perhaps you would have been if you'd done it three games ago, four games ago. So, uh, you know, because he has saved them. I mean, he's, he's a performance at Man City where we were up against 10 men for 85 minutes, should have won comfortably, did win comfortably, but if it hadn't been for him making some very good saves, it wouldn't have been as comfortable in the afternoon as it was. Well, it summed up our moon in the West Brom game. Absolutely. Fantastic penalty save. You know, that, that should have been the inter- Not only for him, but the team The team didn't perform on the day. You would have thought the, the warning sign was there. The great, great save from the penalty. Straight into the second half, and really, I mean, I would have expected my nine-year-old to save that, and he plays at left-back. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be absolutely fair to Al Mooney, I don't think before that, I think he'd, you know, he'd not really done a lot wrong. Um, you know, I was up at Ewood Park, and it was great I thought he was fantastic great in that game. He didn't get bullied. Um, and, you know, I... Don't get me wrong, I don't believe his elbow's still gammy, as we were saying. But I think, you know, I, I can see where he did get that elbow injury in the West Brom game, collecting yeah. the rebound yeah, from the penalty. Yeah. I think that contributed to the error. Um, and I think, actually, his biggest mistake in that game was not coming off at half-time. Um, if he felt there was any doubt in his elbow, he should have come off. Don't you think, um, as well, that goalkeepers need a bit of luck? As a goalkeeper myself, absolutely not. I can kind I, of agree more. I don't think El Munia is the luckiest of goalkeepers at times. But don't you also find the better they are, the luckier they are? Mm. It's kind of two, it's two sides of the same. I, I, I yeah, see the point you make. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, looking at him, he ticks every single box. He's six foot three. He is ridiculously athletic. I mean, the guy can throw himself across goal um, far better than most goalkeepers I've ever seen. Um, but I think once you get to the very top level... Um, everyone's got the basic skill sets, and it boils down to temperament and decision making. I mean, I'll give Jens his due. Occasionally, he'd make the, he'd make the wrong decision to come out, but Christ, he'd keep going and he'd take that fucker out if he'd have to. <laughs> Almunia, as we as we saw in the Barcelona home game, the first forty-five minutes, you go, I don't know who that goalkeeper is, but for the love of God, sign him up. He's fantastic. And within three minutes of the second half starting, doesn't know whether we need to shit or a haircut, get stuck in no man's land, and we find ourselves a goal down at home. Thanks, Manuel. Um, muchas gracias. Yes, adios. Um, <clears throat> so, at the, sorry, so staying at that end of the field, at the recent AGM, Arsene Wenger stated that you can afford to concede 28 goals over the Premier League campaign and still win the title. Our team conceded 10 in their first eight games. Tim, do you think the days of title-winning Arsenal defences might ever return under Arsene Wenger? Um, Notwithstanding his picture on your bedroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe not. Um, obviously, that's that's not his forte. No one's going to say it's his forte. Um, but you know, in ninety-eight, ninety-nine, I believe we conceded. Was it seventeen, eighteen goals? That's right. Um, which is a record for Arsenal. We still didn't win the league um, because we didn't score enough goals. So, you know, the balance is the balance right? I'd still say no. It's not a hundred percent right. And I think we've seen, you know, the last season or so. We batter most teams, but when we come up against Chelsea, United, Barcelona, that gets exposed. Um, and I, th- I think those are the games that are really going to show us if we've come on. To be honest, I don't think we're ever going to be watertight under Arsene Wenger, but I don't think that means we can't win the league with them again. Well, because it's just that well, we've covered the, the goalkeeping situation. I mean, I mean, you attack as a team and you defend as a team. Um, our first eleven, as you sort of look at it on paper, I mean, you, th- you look at tweaks rather than major overhauls. Why, you know, why are we conceding so many goals? Where does the full lie? Is it the centre of defence? Is it the full backs? Is it the? No, no I just think it's the, the the philosophy of the team. We will attack, 
and I think football has changed a great deal. You know, I mean, uh, we all hark back to the days of George Graham and arms in the air and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, football's moved on. Um, you know, we will outscore. We will try and outscore people, and I, and I would much rather watch that. As much as I admire Chelsea in a way, they're very solid. I went to the game at Stamford Bridge the other week. Unfortunately, I had to sit in with all the Chelsea fans, and I was surrounded by people who were screaming at their team because they just defended and defended and defended. Mm. And I would not pay money to go and watch that now. Football has moved on. You look at Spain, some people say it's all tippy-tappy passing stuff, but that is what football is all about. And that is why English football is struggling now. The fact is, we need to pass the ball. We pass and move, simple as that. And if we win the league doing that, then it's fantastic. It's the best thing that could ever happen to English football. Well, I mean, apropos of that, I mean, I, I think the, the, way our, the way that Arsenal play, as described by Mark, it's probably best exemplified in, in this moment in time by Alex Song. He's our, he is our defensive midfield player. His role, in, his role in, on paper is to sit in front of the back four, break up, uh, re- recycle possession. Was that an expression someone used, someone used when describing Alex Song to me? Take the ball, play a, play a five-yard uh, pass to a footballer and let them get on with it. However... In the last couple of weeks, Alex has taken on a new mantle as a centre-forward. Um, Mike, um, Alex Song, midfield maverick or ill-disciplined show-off? I think with Song, I think it was noticeable even before the last few weeks that he was, um, when, when, since he's got the goals, before that you were noticing him get forward rather more than he was. And at times that was like, you were a bit uncomfortable about it. It was like, what are you doing up in the penalty area? We're defending a 1-0 league, get back. And... You know, then he'd go and get the second goal of Man City. And you're, <laughs> I was wrong. And Alex Song, I think, I think I've said to somebody recently that he's probably one of the few players, and I'm not trying to big myself up here, but one of the few players that I've been just completely proved wrong on. You know, we all remember that nightmare game he had at Fulham four or five years ago now when he got subbed at half 2006, yeah. And, you know, at that point I was like, he's never, ever going to make it at Arsenal. He's got to be shipped out. And he's come on and he's so pivotal to what we do now that I'm just like, hands up, I was wrong. You know, you, you know, use Tim's expression, Arsenal maybe does know best. <laughs> um, there's not many players that fall into that category for me. Um, Fabianski is in danger of being another one. I <laughs> um, and, you know, hats off to him. Don't I worry, know, as, until such time as Danielson can play a forward pass to his yeah. own team, I think we're all OK. Don't you think, don't you think Danielson had a good game? West Ham, yeah, very much so. Very so much so. A very solid game. I, I, I think since he's come back from his injury and realised, shit, I've got Jack Wilshire and Abu Diaby ahead of me in the pecking order, and Ramsey's got to come but back. I think that's the thing. All up. these guys, you're talking about Song being going forward. If he's, what's happened now, I feel, is that Song realises that he can trust Jack Wilshire, he can trust Danielson, for instance, uh, Sesk, whoever. If he goes forward, he knows they're going to slot in. I hate to go into the thing about total football, but you know that's the way they're working now. They, they can trust each other, the confidence is there. Whether that will all blow up in our face and then the confidence goes through the floor is another matter, but currently, and I, th- I, th- I think you're absolutely right with Jack. I mean, Jack's the head on his shoulders, he's, he's not an 18 year old, is it? I mean, because he, right, he does sit there, he knows where to fill in, he knows where he needs to be, he knows what he needs to do, and he won't try and extend himself, you know, try and do something that he shouldn't be doing. Um, I actually didn't mention Diaby in that phrase because uh, I. I, I, I 
you know, Theo Walcott's been criticised for not having a footballing brain. I just think the RB hasn't got a brain. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the player in that midfield that just drives me mad. I think but, the thing is, you, you know, the team's been together a few years now, um, and I think, I think Song's acting under instruction. I think he's been going forward that much that it, it must be under instruction. And I think the thing is now, um, Arsenal are at their best when they're fluid. Um, was Henri a winger or a striker? Who was the defensive midfielder out of Vieira and Petit? Was Pires a winger? Was he a central midfielder? Was he a striker? Um, great teams have that kind of understanding, and as long as when Song goes forward, someone sits, which Wilshere is showing that he can do, as long as they trust each other and they talk to one another, then that's fine with me. I mean, who was marking Song um, on the back post in the 88th minute? <laughs> nobody, because nobody, really Bender. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> because nobody expected him to be there. Um, and if that makes us a bit more unpredictable, um, then that's, that's all fine with me. As long as the team have got the discipline um, to kind of fill in for one another, I, I think it's all good with me. So a player of that quality and mindset we've been missing since, since Gilberto left. I mean, you're so you want about Gilberto. He was never going to you know, play raking Steven Gerrard 40-yard Hollywood balls into the path of the on-rushing Freddie Lundberg. But dear God, you know, if, if um, Ashley Cole or Lauren went surging forward, it, his role was to slot into that. But yeah, if Alex Song can do that and add the extra dimension of, of going forward and contributing six or seven goals a year, then then fantastic. I mean, I mean, apropos of that, Mark, I mean, having seen these vast improvements in Song, Fabianski, we're in danger of seeing Danielson turning into a footballer. Nick, you know, um, I don't know who's wearing the 14 and 52 shirts this year, but I don't know what's happened to the man-child Theo Walcott and Barry Bender, but dear God, we're in danger of turning into a football team. I mean, um, having seen these levels of improvements in, in the best part of probably six or nine months, but, you know, albeit four or five years, um, are we as fans too quick to judge these, these, these young players that Wenger brings in and through? Well, I, I don't think we all are. Um, uh, there is an element of uh, support there. That, um, you know, and that they pay their money, they're entitled to their, their, their opinion. Uh, how, however, this, this thing of instant success, per- personally, obviously I can't speak personally, but Jack Wilshire, people like that, I would rather, if we had to wait another two or three years... I would be quite happy to see these guys come through and then win something and playing football in a proper way um, and and doing it by attacking teams. Uh, and that might sound a bit weird coming from an old school Arsenal fan who's brought up on, you know, we have we have what we hold or, or whatever the expression is and 1-0 uh, to the Arsenal. But we've moved on from there, as I said earlier. And... Um, yeah, I just couldn't bear the thought. I, I saw, I, I tell you, I saw, I was in Paris last year and I happened to go to the pub to try and watch the Arsenal game because I was away and, and they had Chelsea against Aston Villa on when Chelsea won 6 0. And it was the most boring rubbish I've ever seen. And I sat there in a, this bar full of a load of black guys who, when I tried to convince them that Chelsea were a team, a club of racists, they was like, they just couldn't work it out. And, uh, you know, and I was thinking, am I in some sort of weird parallel universe or something? But it was rubbish, absolute rubbish. And, it, and Arsenal, Chelsea, Arsenal, the other week, they beat a fair and square, no problem. But if you looked at it, the only team playing football there was Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, nothing to add to that, gents. I think. Uh, Kind of retouching on the song point a bit, I, I was at that Fulham game as well when he was uh, really, really unfairly slaughtered for what was pro- 
probably one of the worst performances under Wenger, and there was, you know, the likes of Henri were out there playing just as badly as Song was. Um, I'm one of the kind of minority that actually bothers with Carlin Cup away games, um, and, and so I'd seen him a fair few times before that. Um, and in the kind of Carlin Cup, because I think it was a season where we were drawn away in every round, um, and in the Carlin Cup away games, he looked absolutely superb. Um, he came into the first team that night um, on a bad night when the team were playing badly, and people were very quick to judge him um, on that. And no, I, I think we are far too quick uh, to judge uh, certainly young players. Well, in terms oh, of the becoming like Spurs, in the fact that we judge these players, they, they've got a history of abusing players just because they don't play in the Spurs way, and uh, we need to move on from now. Well, I would say that on, on the song one certainly was, and I think there's been other players, and perhaps Danielson is also a victim of it, that, that he's been brought into the team by Wenger too young when he's not capable of doing, performing the job that we need him to do mm. or at that level. And, you know, Wenger's often said, um, has often come out and said, I don't want to go and buy a star midfielder because I'll kill my babies, you know? And it's like, well, actually, are, are you killing the likes of Danielson by playing him when he's clearly not ready? You know, maybe now we're seeing mm. Nielsen improving. I'm, I, I'm not with Mark. I'm, I didn't think West Ham game was his greatest game. I did think I do think he's played a couple of good games recently and has done very well. And I think he is underrated by a lot of fans. But um, but you know, I just think over the last two or three years, people have got a perception of him when he just wasn't the player for the role that he was being asked to perform. The thing is, you say that, and it, you look at players, and it, you know, you get these people coming and say, oh, "We should sign X, Y, and Z," right? and you think, well. Why, why sign? I mean, Gareth Barry was a man. I mean, the guy can't run above two miles an hour. I mean, it's, like, it's ridiculous. And it, it, that was one of the ones. And how much did they pay for him? Oh, it was about, what, 12, 14 million pounds in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it, right. it, it was crazy yeah, money. Contract. I mean, Man City are, are, are guilty of that with, with any number of players, aren't they? But, you know, the, the well, Nigel Dion was the one, wasn't it? You know, he was available for one and a half million pounds if they waited till the summer. But to make sure that Arsenal didn't get him, they bid 15 million in the January. Oh. All these people come in and say, say to them, well, who would you sign? That is always the thing. Who would you sign? And they come up with some idiot's name. And, it's, and what think, guarantee do you have that just because you spend you know, X amount on yeah. a player that they're going to be... You know, but in some way, that's, is that Wenger being a victim of his own success because you kind of trust him to be able to dig someone out from mm-hmm. somewhere that he's going to be good enough? Well, and sign, yeah, sign, we won't have heard of him. Signing in the year's got to be Shamit. And it's sure, free transfer... Someone suggested today that the, the free transfer signing of the summer was Nicky Shorey, who, um, who left Aston Villa on a free transfer. And, you know, I'll be damned if anyone can name me someone better. So, well, I don't know that bloke who set the Champions League record for most consecutive goals uh, isn't too shabby. Um, but there we go. I mean, I mean the, the thing that this got me most... That got me most excited about the squad this year is um, people are saying, oh, he's taking the Carling Cup seriously. Not really. I mean, he's playing our second string of players. Because they've been our second string of players for four or five years, they're not all 18 anymore. They're 23. Shit! We're like Chelsea. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, squad. absolutely. Mm. I mean, Tim, I mean, are you excited about the Carling Cup now that we're taking it seriously? Or like me, did you watch the highlights after taking a girl out for dinner? Uh, no, no, I was, I was <laughs> unfortunately not. Um, I was single, so I was at Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so that's why you are single. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I am actually uh, this year, and, I, and I, I totally agree with you. I don't think necessarily we're taking it much more seriously. I suppose the appearance of the likes of Fabregas and Arsha being on the bench shows a bit of an edge, but um, 
I, I think it's I think it's worth going for this year with um, a lot of the teams that have gone out, and I think the bonus for us as well is it's it's all over by February, um, so it shouldn't interfere with the running um, when we get half the team get Van Persied. Um, <laughs> so I, I I think it's well worth going for this year, and even there's only one team in there that you'd consider a real threat, and that's United. And if we played them right now, I, I'd fancy us actually. So I I think. I, I, I am excited about the competition this year, yeah. I'll go along with that. Well, you fancy a trip, yeah. to, a trip to Wembley in February? Oh, definitely. I mean, who wouldn't? And, and, and I think, as Tim says, you know, it's over with earlier in the year. But, but bigger than that is it can give you some momentum. Mm. You know, we've seen a number of sides, and I think Chelsea probably, before they first won the title, didn't they won the League Cup. They did. Mm. You know, it can give you momentum going into the crucial part of the season. Um, so absolutely, you know. I th- I, again, as Tim says, you know, we're, the only team we really should be fearing in the draw now is, is United. We're going to home the next round. I'm not going to get too cocky because I do remember that we've been locking us out in the semi-final yeah. in the League Cup at Highbury a few years ago when we were all doing the lays with when <laughs> Wigan only needed one goal in the last minute. Oh, they got it. And uh, but yeah, you got you got to fancy this against Wigan really. And the, the second string, absolutely right. You know, I, I think it's. You know, it is the second string team that we played at Newcastle, but they, they, they've had the first team experience now, mainly because they've been, it's been forced on them because of so many injuries over the last few years, but you know, they really showed their work. It's just way. a fortunate position we're in now where our reserves include the captains of the Czech Republic and the Ivory Coast, uh, and, um, well, Mexico's centre-forward. Mark, <laughs> has the penny dropped regarding Carlos Vela with the manager? You know, note on the bench or in or around the first team for most of the first um, two months of the season, the second Walcott and Bender are back. It's uh, cheers, Carlos. Have a siesta. Well, I think yeah, he's obviously fourth, fifth, sixth choice, whatever. Now um, it's a shame because when when he does play well, you do see that there's some talent there. Um, but going back to what you saying earlier about mental strength, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the weak point. I don't know. I mean, I would even put Jay Thomas in front of him now. I'd much rather see Jay Thomas playing than Carlos Vela. You know, two nil up with ten minutes to go. Bring him on. He's a flat track bully in cricket in terms. Stephen oh, Hughes, Graham Rich, yeah. absolutely. Um, get him on now, and uh, you know he'll do a nice little dink, and we'll all clap him. But uh, that's it. We've, we've got better players than him. Good, good squad player, maybe. Yeah. I wonder if you look back at, on Vela's career in the future, and you wonder whether that, that miss that he had in the first minute. At Newcastle, where that could prove just oh, he hit the goalkeeper's the end of the career. Where you know, he yeah. twenty seconds in, if he put a ball in that, then we're on for. I mean, we won comfortably anyway, but you know, he might have been on for a big performance. And I just wonder whether that's that was the beginning of the end. Well, there are stories about his, uh, you know, uh, champagne, Carlos Vela. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, and he's come. I mean, you know, he's come from a very you know poor background, things like that. So. You can quite easily understand that the money could turn someone if, if they are true. Uh, and, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, these days you've got to be 100, 110% dedicated, full-time. You can't have all this messing about. So. I, was, I was really disappointed with him, actually, up at Newcastle, because he's clearly fallen really quite low in the pecking order. Um, and I really wanted to see a performance from him that suggested, you know, to remind the manager he's still there. Yeah. And you know he was a bit, still a bit in and out. Um, looked like he was really lacking confidence. And to be honest, I don't, I don't think he elevated his position at all, really. And and I, w- I was a bit 
I was a bit sore about that miss in the first minute because Benton was on for an open goal if it mm. passed it, mm. um, and he didn't. And you know, I I don't like to see that. I certainly don't think the manager likes to see that either. That's fair. Yeah, it has been generally a positive podcast so far. But but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of you. In fairness, I mean, I can't help but think that Wenger got Luther blissed on. Um, Carlos Vela and told his scouts to go. Uh, told uh, his chief executive to go and do a deal for the young Mexican striker. Turns up two years later with Carlos Vela and said, "No, I meant that cunt who's knocking in goals for Man United, left, right, and centre." But thank you very much. I mean, the the other player who's been a constant disappointment for the best part of the last eighteen months is the precocious meerkat-like number twenty-three, Mike Andre Arshavin, apparently about to negotiate a new contract to circumvent the fifty percent tax rate he's so adamant against. Is it time to cut our maverick Russian loose, or do we persevere with him? Is it a simple's answer? <laughs> um, if, if we'd had a decent offer for him in the summer, I'd have probably taken it. Um, I, I think even last season. He, he came in, he had that, that four or five months after he signed. Um, best player in England. Best player, looked fantastic. And everyone was excited and thought, we're going to get a full season out of him, where he's going to be awesome. And last year, he, he, was, he was disappointing, and this year, I think he's gone backwards from there. Um, when he does something, and you know, Wenger will quote the stats, you know, and will say he's scored this many goals and he's got this many assists. But I saw something on on, on one of the blogs today, which was his passing rate. It was an arse blog. It was an arse blog, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Sunderland game was it where he started? Completely one played, in ten passes. Well, he only made ten passes yeah. in the whole game. Yeah. And it's like for someone that's starting, it's like you know, for someone that's got that ability. He should be getting involved more for starters, and he should be completing a much, much higher percentage. And you know, you you, you, you don't want to weaken your squad, you know. And, and he's, he's he's playing more than he's not. So I don't I don't want to say get rid of him, but um, if a better option came on came along, I wouldn't. Jim, should he stay or sh- should he stay or should he go? I'm I'm actually uh, I'm 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 a fan. Um, I think he should definitely stay. I don't I don't think actually he is playing an awful lot differently to when we first bought him. Um, I think he's always been a bit of a kind of a bit of a maverick, perhaps. Um, I think it was just we were quite excited by him when he first when we first came. And whenever you have a new player, you, you're prepared to overlook their faults, um, you know. And then after a few months. You, you get familiar with the player, and then you know you, you start to pick on their faults a bit more. I, I just think I, I understand what people are saying. I understand you know the, the constant attempts at back heels that don't come off, and then he stands there, and you just you just want to run on the pitch and shake him. But um, if you look at the numbers, he does make a big difference. He does make a big difference to the team. I also think the thing about passing, I do take that point. The thing I like about Arshavin is he's a risk taker, and that's because he tries to play the killer pass. If the shot's on, he goes for it, and we don't have many players like that. I still think, as talented as they are, the likes of Nazri and Rosicki play it a bit safe sometimes. Um, Arshavin will try and split a defence. It's not always going to come off, um, but when it does, we'll invariably score. Um, I, with Nazri, Walcott and Rosicki all playing very well as well at the moment, his place is under threat. Um, I think the answer to that is to keep rotating them. I don't think the manager has to make a decision there yet. Um, I certainly think he's got something to think about for his place, but not for his future at the club, no. I mean, my, my stance on, on Arshvin is he only really seems to play up when he, he's around players that he deems worthy of being on the same pitch as, as him. Um, 
the uh, away game in, in Belgrade, for example, when, he, when um, Wilshire was playing in the playmaker role in the, the centre of the attacking three behind the, the lone front man, and Arshavin and, and him were connecting with their back heels and such. I mean, when he, and, he, and, he or Fabregas are in close proximity to Russia, he seems to play. I mean, Mark, you're, you're kingmaker. One says he stays, one says he go. Do we keep him? Is it another example of Wenger failing when spending vast amounts of money? No, not at all. I think he's vital and he's a big game player. And we hopefully will have some big games to come this season. And uh, I think then you'll see the best of him. Uh, like you say, he likes to be surrounded by good players. Sometimes he does look as though everything's a bit below him. But he just makes me smile. And I think, that, I think that's a very positive thing. Um, keep, keep with him. And, uh, you know, come with, come with the air, come with the man. And I can, t- I can see him getting the winning goal in, you know, cup final or Champions League final. So, you know... I know it's a bit far-fetched at the minute, but you know I think he he would he, he will do it. He will do business for us, and the positives outweigh the negatives. He doesn't track back, but you know we know that we knew that before we signed him. I, mean, I don't think that's any great mystery about our shipping, is it? So um, yeah, no, I've got no problems with him whatsoever. I think it, the the point is there as well. He, he doesn't run around like a madman, but if if you look at um, his goals, most of them are in the last ten minutes of games. Um, and shall we say it's because he's conserving energy <laughs> inverted commas um, he, he pops up with a lot of late goals and, and, and I agree actually um, if it's 10 minutes to go in the Champions League final and we're 0-0 I'd want him on the pitch I think he does it deliberately as well <clears throat> I think he actually he gives this impression that he's completely knackered and the next minute he goes on a 40 yard run like a thing you know the defender's like he's, and you can see him sort of standing next to the defender slumping about and the must be, oh, we've, we've had him. And, in, and as you say, the last 10 minutes, the amount of goals is, I mean, not great stat man, but I reckon he's scored a lot of goals or assists in the last 10 minutes. I mean, the, the, what I would say is that, that for, the fourth goal we got in Liverpool in that game, where he, he went box to box in, well, he kept up with Walcott. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. No mean sense. Um, yeah, I think if we're at the stage where we're wondering whether we as kingmakers keep or get rid of Russia's captain and one of the most ostentatious playmakers in, in world football, um, I can't help but think we're probably in a good place as a football club. Um, yeah, and at least our goalkeepers don't roll the ball out thinking they've been given a free kick that never was. Um, just to wrap up then, guys, seeing see as you're, you're, you know, we don't hear an awful lot from you all the time. Um, Oh, I'm just tossing a few balls in the air. OK, let's say we have relative good luck between now and the end of the season with injuries. Um, where are we going to finish in the league and what are we going to win? Starting from my left to right. All right, Brendan. I think we'll finish second in the league because I think Chelsea are, are a machine and they'll just grind it out. Um, and um, I can see us winning a trophy, whether that's the FA Cup or even the League Cup. I'll be quite happy with the League Cup. Um, or maybe even the Champions League because I think it comes down to on, with Champions League it's on the night and we play football we might have a chance but whatever I think we will win something Mike Francis okay, I'm going I'm to probably agree with Mark pretty much I think, I think second is pretty much our limit um, I, I think Chelsea are just a cut above us this season um, as they have been for a while unfortunately um, but you look at the rest of the competition, I, I, Man United, I think they have got problems. Um, 
and so I, I think we should be able to finish above them. Man City just are not going to be there, and uh, well, there isn't anyone else, is there, really? Um, winning a trophy, yeah, I, I, I fancy the Carling Cup. I, I think we're, we're up for that this year. I think everyone's behind it. Um, the FA Cup, I, th- I think Wenger will still probably treat a little bit contentiously, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, um, because it, because the latter stages will coincide with latter stages of the, the the competitions he wants to win. Champions League, yeah, I'd, I'd love to think, yeah, we can compete with the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid, but. Uh, I'm not convinced our defence would be able to stand up for the two, to those two teams. Tim, what will you be celebrating come May? Um, I'm going to be really contentious and agree with the other two. I, I do think we'll Where's finish Steve second. Well, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Arsenal.com Crafter <laughs> podcast. All um, is well. We're going to get relegated um, <laughs> and everything's wrong. No, I, I, I think we'll finish second. Um, I think Chelsea are a bit of a juggernaut. Um, their squad's at a good age and they just look like a machine really I fancy us certainly for the Carling Cup with the Champions League um, I'm not sure I fancy for us us for it 100% we'll certainly be there or thereabouts and we've been there or thereabouts for the last few years I remember coming out of Paris um, in 2006 and saying I thought we'd win it within five years of that night so uh, it's pretty much make or break for that (laughs) this year Um, I I think we'll probably get to the semis but you know you never know uh, Shame us at Wembley this year. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? It would, yeah, it would be sod's law if we get there this year, you know, because you really want a decent trip and a decent night out afterwards and we'll have London. To so be fair, I could probably get back from Paris quicker than I could from Wembley. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'm the sole person who, see, who thinks that with a returning Frank Lampard disrupting there until now, brilliant midfield. A mystery injury to Peter Cech, putting him out for three months and Ross Turnbull throwing two into his own net will disrupt Chelsea's season and will come out of nowhere to win on goal difference on the last day of the season. And uh, that's about it for Guna Podcast 58. Usual reminder is that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And Mike, there's a new issue of the Guna out pretty damn soon, isn't there? There is. There's a new issue out for the uh, Newcastle game on Sunday, the 7th of November, and uh, available from all your usual places, sellers around the ground, and also available online from the website. Well, thanks again to our sponsors, Goonashirts.com. There's just time for our panel to bid farewell. Mike? Farewell. Mark? Goodbye. And Tim? Cheers. I'm your host, David Udo, and thanks for listening. No, we don't do the song, do we? Does anyone else know the song? No. Kev? Sorry, we tried.